0: Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you.
1: It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis.
0: Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together.
1: thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we had two guests. We talked with Aaron Pellegrino and Jake Rudin. Aaron and Jake are both Cornell-educated architects. They've both worked and taught in the profession. Their paths diverge where Aaron still practices and teaches while Jake has left the profession to apply his training and his skills and his perspective to research, development, and design of sportswear at Adidas. Together, Aaron and Jake founded Out of Architecture to help their clients explore and understand the value of their skills and education, both in the profession and outside of architecture. I had to take an unexpected trip to Atlanta, but I had to find a Starbucks where I could have this conversation because I think what Aaron and Jake do for their clients at Out of Architecture actually has much larger implications. I really believe that what they're touching on is the true value of an architect. You'll just have to listen to our conversation and see if you think the same. As usual, Catherine McPhail joined me for this conversation with Aaron Pellegrino and Jake Rudin, and again, backstage afterward. Catherine is my co-host and she's an architect and a podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. In addition to context and clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from this conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Aaron Pellegrino and Jake Rudin from Out of Architecture. I've really been intrigued by what Aaron and Jake are doing at Out of Architecture. You know, they they talk about exploring the the value of what you do, of your education and the skills that you've developed and things like that. You know, and they 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 work on that with clients in the context of career consulting. But I think that there's actually bigger implications. For what they're talking about, I think, um, it, and, it, and it takes me back to our conversation a couple of weeks ago with Aton Sarfati, where he says, "Remember back to architecture school. You know the things that, that you learned and the things that you did." And you know, I, I think the place where both of these conversations cross is that what Jake and Aaron are talking about and what Aton are talking about. I think they're talking about the actual value. Of an architect, the actual value that an architect can bring to a project. So I, I didn't want to miss the conversation. Um, and I wasn't disappointed with the conversation either.
2: This week, I thought, uh, you know, I'm going to sign up for their coaching or whatever it is, their, their consulting, see what else I can do. Because I feel like, in a way, it's, we're always whining architects are kind of always whining about how people don't value us. So hearing people say, well, you have all these problem-solving skills and you have all these other skills that can be applied anywhere, it makes it made me feel kind of appreciated.
1: Yeah, and I think to me the beauty of what they're talking about, which I know is a is um a struggle for some in the profession and it's outside of the box. For some in the profession, but I really think that the beauty that they're talking about is, or, or the beauty of what they're talking about is that you really need to look at your proficiencies and your skills, obviously, but also your passion and things like that. And I, I even if we're talking about say your own small firm, in in this, you know, anybody that knows me and Catherine certainly knows this. Um, you know that one of the things that um, Maybe bothers me a little bit about the profession is there are so many people that are practicing in a certain way because this is the way that we've always done it, right? This is the traditional practice of architecture, and we've got five phases of design services, or seven, or nine, or three, or whatever. And I think it's I don't think it's a leap at all to take what Aaron and Jake are doing and say okay. I, I really love being an architect. I really love having my own small firm. What can I learn from what they're talking about and what they're doing it out of architecture? Well, why don't you look at what you're actually doing for your clients and say, you know what, this is what I'm best at. These, these two things are what I'm really, really good at and where I bring the most value to a project. Why don't I focus on that? Why don't I build a business around that? You know, there is nothing in the world that says that you have to provide five phases of design services, right? Everything from feasibility through construction admin or, you know, whatever your phases are, you know, why not actually build a business around those things that you're really good at and that you really love? And I and that's that's what I'm talking about when I think there's larger implications to what they're talking about and not to diminish anything that they're talking about i think what they're doing is is super um intriguing one i think it's great for the future of the profession um it it aligns with a lot of the things that we talk about but i think there are ways that you can take what they're exploring and actually apply it to your business if you say hey i don't i don't want a job i don't want out of architecture i don't you know i don't want these things i just want to be an architect great Learn from what they're talking about and apply it to your actual, you know, your your present situation, I guess.
2: Like, you don't actually have to go all the way to a different industry to learn something from them. I mean, I just like that they um, saw this need for people to be fulfilled in a different way and are helping people out with that. And one of them went in a different direction and one of them is in a pretty traditional situation. Otherwise, besides this Side hustle. Is this a side hustle, would you say? Yeah,
1: I would say. Yeah. And I think I think that's important to understand. Jake has left. Right? He's he's left the profession. He works for Adidas. Um they talk a lot about I think Jake uses this term maybe more than Aaron does, but but um they talk about architecture adjacent positions. Now I don't know exactly you know, is Adidas architecture adjacent? I don't know if you would define it that way, but he's using the skills that he learned in school and that he developed working in architecture to do the R&D and design at Adidas. Um, But to your point, yeah, I mean, Erin teaches pro practice. She is a licensed or registered architect, uh, whatever her state calls it, uh, or multiple states, wherever she is or wherever she's licensed. Um, and she has a relatively traditional architecture practice with a, with a business partner. And that's, that's where they come from, right? That's the two, they, they met in school, they're great friends, um, and, and they've taken different paths. And I love this exploration that they're doing. I I love it. We we talked about this, I think, <laughs> I think we talked about this when we were live, um, things kind of run together a little bit. Maybe it was before we went live, but NAB, the accreditation organization here in the United States, has a relatively new focus on, they call it path to licensure. I, In my opinion, that's the wrong focus. I think it's the path to the profession. I think part of that is path to school, you know what you do in school path after school and and that's where i call it path from the profession too possibly um and and i think they're they're a 100% fulfilling that that goal or that need whatever whatever it is you know the all i teach pro practice as well and i don't know what do i, I have 20 students or something a semester I'm not exactly sure what the what the average number is but but um every single one of those students is wondering where and exploring where is their place going to be in the profession? Or is it even going to be in a a traditional role in the profession? And I start out every semester saying, you don't have to have a traditional role. You don't have to work for a traditional firm. There's lots of different things that you can do. Um, And that's, that's exactly what, Hirn and Jake are exploring.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're right in in saying what you were saying before, and that anybody could benefit from what they do. In that, they can think about what they actually enjoy and what they are good at. And knowing what our strengths are, I think, is really important. And it's hard to hard to remember that we have strengths and preferences. When as small firm owners, we have to do everything involved. So we have to do everything from the beginning to the end. And maybe we stop thinking about whether we are good at it or whether we enjoy it or anything, because it doesn't matter really if we enjoy it or not. We have to finish the CDs, which is the thing I don't enjoy.
0: Well, and I, I think it's not being able to take stock of your skill set, right? It's just not what becomes the focus, especially in, in school, but also in, in the practice. It's just like, just get it done, right? You, you may be really good at, at producing the drawings, or you know, maybe you put the presenta- presentations together really well because you've got a graphic eye. None of that ever gets for the most part, acknowledged beyond this is what it takes to get the work done. But I think a self, a skill audit is obviously incredibly useful, both to know what you're good at and also know what you're not. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And therefore, when you need to skill up, you need to skill up. I just think we're, you know, more, more, we can be more whole, uh, human beings and more whole practitioners and more whole designers and creatives, if we recognize all these other facets of our skills and our life and our overall culture that we can bring to the the skills that we bring to the world.
1: It's been a while since I've been in the practice, but I think that's exactly what happens. I spent about ten years, maybe a little more than ten years at a firm, and we we spent a decent amount of time every week every year whatever trying to figure out how essentially how to play to our strengths and we knew that people came to us because of design and people uh that was our strength and uh you know just in a in a nutshell and our weakness especially on the business side i don't i don't think it was a weakness in terms of our our technical skill or anything like that but we were slow at construction documents and that's that's definitely not where we were profitable, so we we spent a lot of time exploring how do we become a design only firm. you know, put that in quotes because that firm had been around for fifteen or twenty years before I joined it, and it had grown up into what it was It's still a small firm. I think there were about seven of us, but it had grown up into what it was because this is the way that you practice architecture. And yeah, and I I think that's it, right? That this is the way that we've always done it, which continues to blow my mind because for a profession filled with some of the most creative people in the world, we have zero creativity when it comes to the profession itself.
2: Hmm. Maybe that's why though, because if we all started to get creative with how things are done, it would be like a disaster. We just like, who knows what's happening, you know? So that's why it always has to be, you know, I had to work all nighters at my boss's office. And so now you do too. And I was treated badly. So I'm going to treat you badly or whatever it might be. Like we can't, we, we have, we can't embrace individualism when it comes to practice or else who knows what might happen. Maybe that's, maybe that's why.
1: I think that's a a good point. I, I think that's, you know you mentioned you know, I had to do this, so you you should have to do it too, which we've talked about that before that boggles my mind too um you know everybody i know i'm I'm going there i was I was going to avoid going there, but everybody that I know that has kids has said at some point in their life, "I want things to be better for my kids, whatever that means, right whatever their context is, you know they they say some version of that and then they'll turn around and say I paid my dues so you have to pay your dues. They do the exact opposite in in that context. And th- that that turns into in my opinion that turns into something really toxic in the profession, but I th- I think you know to the point that we're making here it's also not pushing the profession forward. Right? We're looking backwards instead of looking forward. And that's that's problematic. When everything's evolving around us and changing around us and we're, we're looking backwards, you know, at some point you're going to run headlong into, into a concrete barrier or something, I suppose. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. Systems and Standard Operating Procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom that you want. You need systems and procedures. But you struggle with choosing which systems you need the most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love to do the most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant Douglas Teager, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to becoming managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so that he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Teger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass, and then start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA Continuing Education credit, and when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions, on demand the designing your business masterclass is free it's brought to you by our friends at BQE the makers of BQE core the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and your people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability register now for the next designing your business masterclass at bqe.com masterclass that's bqe.com slash masterclass and now let's get back to the conversation
2: i'm surprised there's not bigger entities businesses trying to help architects find a new place in the world because it seems like we are trained to think differently people complain a lot about schools not preparing us for um immediate employment in construction work industry right but we are trained in all these all these things that maybe aren't you know it's just this way of thinking a problem solving more creative way of thinking that we're not going to be able to use when we get to work who say they were saying that that was heartbreaking in, in another interview that they had but it is true it is heartbreaking and everybody i know feel felt it when they when they left all my classmates we'd all mention it one time or another and it's not what we thought it would be but then I thought, well, I could do I could do this or that. I could do other things, and then, but then, not having the ability or the knowledge myself to to um, present myself as an asset to another employer who wasn't in architecture, so I could have I really could have used some help doing that.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's so much resistance to change in the profession, and one one term that they use that Aaron and Jake use is the noun problem and and that's that's real right it's it's I, I, a lot of us do i was working with a client and you know it it bubbled up in our conversation and they're so for many in the profession um, they're they're tying their identity to the word architect and identifying themselves as an architect. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? And we're not trying to diminish anything, but it, when it becomes such, uh, so closely re- related to your self identity that you can't remove yourself from it, again, how do you move forward if you can't get out, you can't even think outside of that box? And with this client that I was working with, they had two noun problems. One was architect or one is architect. And again, there's nothing wrong with being an architect or anything like that. And it's it's hard earned and all of those things. But but so wrapped up in being an architect and not being able to let that go in even, even the smallest sense. And then their other noun problem was business owner.
2: They didn't want to take it or they didn't want to they, own it?
1: They did not want to let go of it. Where... You know, I, I obviously because it's a client, I can't get too much into that conversation. But where we identified that um, a real opportunity for them would be to let go of one or both of those terms. I mean, a real, real opportunity. But they just they could not get themselves to that point where they can let go.
2: I mean, I feel that when you when you mentioned like me giving up that word architect, I do feel a little fluttery. Like, ah, uh, no, I I don't. It's weird. I don't know why. Do other people feel that same way? Do doctors, lawyers, or philosophers, or any of those artists? I imagine.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think. A lot of the things that we're talking about are probably not unique to the profession, right? This is just our context. This is, you know, we're talking about architects and architecture, and uh, our community is, is generally small from architects. But um, So, I, I, I suppose it probably exists outside of the profession,
2: I feel like we are, um, I mean, it's just because I know architects more than I know accountants or more than I know other noun-related people. But I feel like architects are, um, do you still call yourself an architect?
1: Uh, I do not and I never have because I never sat for an exam. So if I called myself an architect, because I'm I'm educated, I'm trained, I've, I've worked in the profession, right? Um, but I've never been licensed. So there are people that would rightly take me to task. For calling myself an architect, I'm not a licensed architect. Uh, I made a conscious decision, and this will bother some people as well. I made a conscious decision not to become a licensed or here in Indiana, it's a registered architect. And there, there are there are people that have told me to my face that that's a problem. I don't think that's a problem at all. Um, and in in the uh, you know, looking back at this conversation with Aaron and Jake, what I realize is that anybody that would tell me that has a noun problem.
2: Mm-hmm. They've got a couple problems. Yeah, they've got a couple of problems,
1: but, but, but they, ha- they have that noun problem, right? Does, you know, there, I think there's a huge question. Does everybody that goes to architecture school need to become an architect?
2: No, I would say not. I mean we don't need that many architects, do we? I,
1: I think just on a on a philosophical plane, right? Do you need does everybody in architecture school need to become an architect? No, I think that would I think that would be a tragedy. Because I think what you learn in architecture school is critical thinking, creative thinking, and design thinking. The world needs that beyond the built environment.
2: Yes. That definitely that's their whole point, I think. And a lot of us want to change the world, or thought we did in school, or were told that we could, or whatever it might have been. And maybe some of us can do that outside of the profession of architecture.
3: One of the the things that is super common that I think clients bring to us is, you know, we're looking through roles, and they'll say, "Well, I don't have any, you know, any agency experience." Or someone will come and they'll say, "You know, well, I'm I'm such a generalist," and to me that is like one of the proudest things you can call yourself, you know? And I, I would lean into that by saying, you know, I'm an expert generalist. I, I know a lot about a lot of things, not, not fully, you know, mastery maybe in any one. Um, But at the same time, you know, when we go back to that agency question, I mean, you might consider yourself an architect and a business person, but if someone comes to you and as part of your architectural project, landscape is involved, you're going to you're going to dive in and do it. If interiors are involved, if working through a kind of, you know, larger scoping or maybe master planning or, you know, these are all areas that aren't necessarily the responsibility of the architect and over the years have been relegated I think to more and more consultants and more and more specialists. So maybe architects feel Like, well, you know, I shouldn't be getting into that or I'm not qualified or, uh, you know, maybe I just don't hold the right title. Um, But then you start to get even farther out into, you know, visual branding and graphic design and marketing and all of these things that inherently architects are pretty good at because they're creatives. I think we don't practice them and therefore we end up not being very good at them in the long run.
1: I have heard Aaron talk about the the reality that architecture can't solve everything, right? Built environment can't solve everything, but there's potential that architects could apply it in different situations and in different uh fields and things like that and that's that's one of the more important concepts I think to come out of of what they do and what they talk about because you're right you know how were there any of us that were in architecture school whenever that was whether it was in 2000 or 1990 or 1970 were there any of us that were in architecture school that didn't have some sort of aspirational uh ideas about changing the world. Mm,
2: I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think that's kind of what we were encouraged yeah. to think. Yeah.
1: So so I you know by extension I think okay you you thought about changing the world if everybody that thought about changing the world that went through architecture school said I can only do that by designing a house or a museum or memorial or whatever isn't that an incredibly limiting point of view? yes
2: and also very difficult to achieve i've had way more impact doing you know, like say local politics getting involved with that sort of thing or with helping my town with planning or in various institutions i've been involved with helping them with capital campaigns and other things i mean i think those have been more helpful than any of the houses i've designed in terms of the world i think
1: those are great examples places and and, and i place, places where you can apply everything that you've learned all the knowledge that you've gained and developed and skills and all those things that have a greater impact than, and again, I'm not trying to diminish the profession or anything, but, but have a greater impact than quote unquote, just architecture, just the built environment. Mm
2: -hmm. There's a big world out there. So, and people who aren't happy doing what we're doing for whatever reason, we architects, I mean, there is another, there are other possibilities, so I think that's a hopeful thing and a way for people to really feel like they are, I don't know, kind of, they have a different f- future, a different fate, I guess, than just, uh, not just, than being architects. And that's that's okay, but like you said, it's hard to give it up. Yeah. I don't think I can give it up but once you're licensed i don't think you can can you <laughs> that's i feel like i'm stuck
1: yeah that's a that's a that's that's another discussion probably another topic for another day gets maybe into legal and insurance aspects but um exactly um, risk
2: management yeah,
1: yeah definitely risk that's that's a good way to sum it up yeah risk management um but i but i think may, maybe a good way to to wrap our heads around the whole conversation with Aaron and Jake and and what they're doing is that it is aspirational, right? It is helping people play to their strengths and find a place where they can have the most impact as as well as, you know, the most passion and the most pleasure and all of those things in in what they do. But, but I, I think that's an important takeaway from the conversation. And I hope that's what most people get out of it. What they're talking about is very aspirational. And and uh, I think if there were widespread adaptation of what they're doing it out of architecture, and maybe that takes out of architecture to grow and grow and grow and, and touch more and more people's lives and careers, I think it could, would be a huge positive benefit to the profession in the world. I mean, that's that's my takeaway, I think. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entre Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host context and clarity conversations and we take topics like this and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is.
0: I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, I'm I'm not there yet, because it scares the out of me.
3: Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm?